I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Listeners should refer to the disclaimer in the episode notes and at the end of this podcast. At the moment, there's a lot of people that have gone new into the stock market. They seem to go for hypey stocks that have three features which almost always spells bad news in the long term. And they are big promises, no revenue, and massive dilution. G'day and welcome to Equity ASA, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello. Just a quick note, as you may or may not have noticed, that the name of the podcast has changed. We're now known as Equity ASA. It's simpler, cleaner, and hopefully more relevant to the members of this great organisation, of which I'm so proud to be a member. And now to today's guest, Claude Walker. Hello, Claude. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Claude is an Australian small company investor and founder of A Rich Life. Claude looks for the best and most ethical opportunities at the small end of the ASX. So, Claude, why ethical and why small companies? The, the reason for ethical investing for me is because that's how I justify being an investor that also adds value to society beyond just making money for myself. Mm. Essentially, the way that ethical investing works is when you get a, a large group of people all letting, even if they're different ethical considerations, if they all let those ethical considerations influence their investing, then on mass, you increase the cost of capital for less ethical activities, and that means they're less likely to happen. And how do you judge um, ethical? Because there's, there's various ways of judging ethical. It's whether a company is doing something uh, positively or whether some uh, company is avoiding certain, certain ethical traps. Well, I'm glad you asked that question, but it can actually be taken in two different ways. It could be, how do I personally judge it? And it could also be, how does one judge it? I personally sort of belong to the tradition of ethical investing that was kicked off in Australia by young adults in the 60s and the 70s. And they tend to consider ethical investing in a sort of liberal humanist tradition. So there's a fair bit of human rights consideration with also a bit of uh, utilitarianism. So is any harm offset by the good this activity does? However, I hasten to add that this is most certainly not the only way to do ethical investing. The oldest form of ethical investing is something that religions can be proud of. Way back in the 1800s, it, were, it was religious investors in the UK, for example, the Quakers, that basically decided they weren't going to put their money into activities that involved slavery. Uh, this helped set the scene for the eventual end of slavery in the UK. So. 
there's no no one has a single monopoly on ethical investing and in fact people who want to criticize ethical investing will often really like hone in on this point but the reality is that ethical investing just means considering your ethics with your investing now you might largely not do ethical investing but if just one time you say oh i don't want to invest in that company because i just don't want to profit from selling tobacco that is ethical investing and it doesn't matter if there are other companies that you invest in that other people might think are unethical if you've made any decision based on ethics then you have done a bit of ethical investing so you look at the small end of the ASX don't you you're not looking at the big end but uh, your opportunities come from that end of the market why in that small end there's actually a great buffett quote that was really inspiring to me when i started my investing journey uh, which is basically that he could have made 50% he could have killed the dow he said he guarantees it he could have made 50% a year he thinks managing less than a million dollars and that might seem like a bold claim but when you think about it it actually makes sense and here's why basically in smaller companies you have fewer uh, professional investors looking at them or investing in them the reason for this is that a very very wise portfolio manager at the star end of his career he might have or she might have several analysts working under them but they're going to control billions and billions of dollars so even though these guys might have the best connections and fantastic knowledge and experience and a big team of smart hard workers they're just not going to look at smaller companies that they can't build a large position in because if they've got 10 billion under management if they're looking at a 100 million dollar company and they manage to build 10% position in that company it's still not going to really move the dial for their overall pool of capital so for that reason you have less smart capital competing in that smaller space and that allows an individual investor who is interested in it to find opportunities where there's more severe mispricing than would otherwise be the case and where you can actually build an informational advantage over other people in the market there might not be you know huge knowledge about a small cap stock that um sort of is under the radar doesn't do much publicity and if you can just sort of notice it that can put you in an advantage in fact you know there's there's an example i wanted to talk of, of just that today and, and i think it's a really classic example that illustrates this point there's a company called eroad that has been listed on the new zealand stock exchange for a few years in that time it's shown strong revenue growth selling a uh, subscription access to their software that allows trucking fleets to sort of track where the trucks are all going now this has gotten a start in new zealand because new zealand requires uh companies to report on the trucks usage of their roads that's sort of how they raise revenue for for road maintenance they've got a tax collection based on that haven't they yeah exactly now the theory is that this kind of tax collection for roads will become more popular over the coming decades why you might ask well um the simple fact is most governments fund the road infrastructure by fuel taxes now this is going to run into a problem at some point as more and more vehicles become electric those electric vehicles essentially avoiding paying that that fuel tax and good on them i say But the point is the governments are still going to need a way to sort of measure road usage and given trucks have such a big impact on roads one of the first and most obvious ways to do this is just to like better 
track truck usage of roads. And we have the technology to do that now. So basically, they've built a business in New Zealand doing this. And the key thing that I personally missed for quite some time was that they had also managed to get a start in the USA. Now, this is really important because the US, some states are starting to bring in and, and talk about this kind of obligation where you track the, the usage and you track the trucks on public roads. So there's a market there, but you know they managed to increase their US presence significantly in the last quarter by selling, I think, a thousand new, installing a thousand new devices, which showed a, a strong rebound from the prior quarter. Now, overall, their contribution from the US is still quite small, but you know they've shown they have a viable product and they're dominant in the New Zealand market. So why aren't more Australian investors looking about looking at this? Well, well, the answer is simple. This thing only listed on the ASX a couple of months ago. Of the two funds that I know, the two good small cap funds that I know they're investing in, it, both of them have links to New Zealand. So, um, you know, one fund manager I pay a lot of attention to, he is actually a New Zealander. He lives in Australia and invests in ASX, but he is an actual New Zealander. So basically the reason people have noticed this is because they're more attuned to what's happening in, in New Zealand. And I believe it simply hasn't been noticed by the vast majority of Australian investors yet. That's despite the fact it's forecasting $44.5 million of revenue in the first half, which should you know, mean that it makes at least $90 million in this is New Zealand dollars, but in a, in a year, that's its sort of current run rate. Now, its market cap is only about $370 million New Zealand dollars again. So that puts it on like, you know, just a bit over four times revenue. Now, as we've said, this business model is, you know, it's got the device there. So they do loan the device to the trucking companies, but the trucking companies, the customers, they have to keep on paying a subscription revenue. So this is really highly recurring and they don't just manage to maintain their customers, but they actually try to upsell the customers by bringing in new products. So this is a good sticky business and it's trading on just a bit over four times revenue. Now, in comparison, if you look at other some other similar businesses on the ASX, for example, Ordinate is like a popular one now, and it's one that I own a little bit of shares in as well. I should note here, I also own shares in E-Road. But these companies trade at much higher multiples of revenue. You don't see that many large $90 million revenue companies that have sticky recurring revenue trading on like four or five times revenue. So it just has a lower multiple. And my guess is that if the company can just operate on the ASX for longer and continue to grow, then more and more institutional investors will start looking at it. They'll start trying to build a position. And as demand builds up for shares, the share price should go up. So that's the kind of example by looking in that small space where you can get an edge. E-Road is um, a software as a service business, but with a bit of hardware tacked on. Can you explain a little bit how that works? Yeah, so basically they loan the devices. So they have these special devices. Like they're G- GPS. They're GPS kind of devices, aren't they? Yeah, but they're, all, they're also a screen. So they mm-hmm. have a few more functionalities. This is actually a good question to ask because one of the features of E-Road is that it gives the companies this whole device, the eHubo 2, I think it's called. And they're also now having a dash cam product and stuff like this. And they make the hardware and they make sure that hardware is suitable for purpose. So for example, these devices, I believe, can switch between mobile networks, for example. So if the truck's sort of going through an area, like they still have GPS, but to have mobile connectivity with messaging and all that sort of thing, which they also have so that people can keep in touch, they can do other functions, not just tracking, um, you know, log booking and, and, and delivery proof and all of these different things. 
but they particularly made for you know this this use, which is putting them in the trucks and tracking it and doing deliveries or, or whatever it may be. Whereas other competing solutions. Might- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Might just be like a GPS box or whatever, but it doesn't have any of the information there and it's not easy for the driver to interact with that. They might need to sort of tether a smartphone to it or an iPad and you have separate device management and it all starts getting more complicated. So that might seem like a sleek solution, but you know, if you've got a fleet of trucks, you probably just want something that's simple and easy and standard for everyone to use. They're not trying to make money by selling these products. That is just something that the truck needs to have in order to be able to use their software, which then does all the tracking and fleet management and regulatory reporting and stuff like that. So what they're paying for is essentially a software as a service. It just has a hardware component to it. So another company that we've discussed in the past um, on another podcast is um, Kip McGrath. And um, I think we spoke about it in December last year and today, just to timestamp things where it's uh, it's the 20th of November, 2020. Tell us a little bit about the Kip McGrath story and your investing story behind it. Yeah, right. I'm really glad you asked about this one so that we could follow up. And also because this is another classic story of why I like small caps. When I first bought this many years ago, its share price was about 20 to 30 cents. What is Kip McGrath to start with? So, so Kip McGrath is like a is a, a tutoring franchise business. Clearly, many years ago, they had a business model where they ch- charged a fixed fee to their franchisees. This business model wasn't particularly good because it didn't really incentivize the parent company to encourage growth in the franchisee businesses. There wasn't a great alignment, and and it wasn't doing well. Its share price was very low. It made some mistakes and. I've got into a little bit of distress with debt. So it was really a turnaround story, but the turnaround was led by the current CEO, who's the son of the founder. And basically the main insight he had was we've got to move to a revenue share kind of model, which then they did over, you know, painstakingly over many years. But then that put them in a situation where they could actually invest in advertising to drive more revenues to those franchisees. And then the parent company would actually benefit from that uplift. So that's what they've done, improve the business massively. You know, they pay dividends, they've been profitable and they've been like a long-term small cap holding for me. And basically, you know, last year I was excited about the progress they were making. And indeed, after our podcast, the the share price proceeded to new all-time high and then the pandemic hit. And these guys have operations in New Zealand, Australia and UK. And the share price just cratered um, in March because, you know, everything was cratering. And also they're clearly going to be impacted with fewer kids going to their 
to their lessons. And so it looked really bad for them. Their profit was impacted strongly. But then what started occurring is they started doing announcements and say, well, hold on, guys, our online offering, which had been bubbling away, wasn't particularly popular, but they'd been investing in it for years to try and grow their online tutoring. Well, their online offering was taking off. So, you know, that sort of started leading the, the share price recovery. And honestly, given how obvious it looks in hindsight, I did not expect that their online offering would go as well as it has. But indeed, it has gone well. And their share price has completely recovered. And it's back to all times highs. Now, I don't think their profit has quite recovered yet. But you can see how for them, they might actually be a surprise beneficiary of the pandemic because this has just launched their online offering in a way that was just not happening before. And if they can maintain that bigger online presence with more online tutoring, that's great for them because a physical franchisee can only service nearby people who have to visit the office. But hypothetically, your market gets a lot bigger if you can do an online offering because your franchisees can now service people that aren't inconvenient traveling distance to the center is what they call them. So this basically expanded the market for Kit McGrath. If they can keep that momentum going, then I, I see I see a bright, a continuing bright future for them, and and, if, and I do continue to hold shares. And of course, we should say at this point that these are not recommendations to buy shares, but um, just by way of example. Definitely not. And I'm not buying Kit McGrath shares like at the current price. As I said, we're back up at at all time highs. But I just still think it's a good it's a good story and a good example of. You know, I think we've all seen it on the market lately, how the pandemic can have unexpected effects on businesses. It's, it's not always obvious there are, there are challenges and opportunities arising from this difficult situation. Claude, what's your filtering process to find companies? That's a good question. I don't have a single filtering process that I use to get me actual ideas of what to buy, but I do essentially have a filtering process that tells me what not to buy. And there's a few like easy points that I'm happy to hit. And I'm sure that uh, many of our, our listeners today are already on top of this. But at the moment, there's a lot of excitement on social media, on Facebook, you know, probably at the barbecue. There's a lot of people that have gone new into the stock market. Mm. And I've really noticed that they seem to go for very hypey stocks that have three features, which almost always spells bad news in the long term. And they are big promises no revenue and massive dilution. You, you could basically peruse you know, Facebook for stock tips and, and check and you'll find a large number of those stock tips have big promises for the future, no revenue and massive dilution. Now, dilution, you can track by looking at Appendix 2A and Appendix um, 3B. You can also sort of usually see it through your broker uh, uh, and it's the share count you're looking at. If that share count you know, keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger, um, and the company's not making any revenue. You know, essentially what is happening here is the salaries of that board and that management are being paid by issuing shares to new shareholders. And in order to issue those shares, they need to make big promises because they have no revenue. Now, the share price of such companies can go up and down based on sentiment, based on how many um, you know, new Facebook investors are piling in. But you know, ultimately, the laws of physics means that almost in almost every case, these companies, their share price ends up going down over the long term because, you know, all they've got is promises. And, and most companies that have promises and, and no revenue, let alone profits, that, that's pretty much where they stay. So that would be the number one thing that I would filter out. You know, I think 
maybe own one company that has no revenue and it's absolutely the exception rather than the rule. I basically never buy such a company and and this is a, a really peculiar situation. I, I bought shares in it basically just so I can watch what happens so that if it does start building up its revenue, notably, I can think about building a, a bigger position. So that, that would be my number one filter that mm-hmm. anyone can do that can potentially save you from some really risky decisions. Okay, Claude, tell us about A Rich Life. Ah, cool. Well, thanks for that opportunity. Yeah, so A Rich Life, it's like our online periodical. It's about ethical investing, art, culture, and news. And, you know, I, I definitely invite your listeners to, to come and check it out. Just put A Rich Life into Google and you'll find it. And we have coverage of basically my ethical equities column is more or less sort of a investing diary for me. Now, I don't, I don't write every single thing I do publicly. That's only for paid subscribers. But basically, I'm sharing my thoughts and my journey as an investor. I'm definitely not giving any sort of recommendations or anything like that. It, it's basically just sharing my thought process. And essentially, my column started because I was writing this stuff anyway for me. And increasingly, I just found people were interested in that. And I guess it's more for those kind of people that are really interested in learning more about the process of, um, you know, small cap investing. And there's an education section, which 90% of which is free for anyone to to read. So you can read up on, you know, some basic things about how to read cash flow statements and how to determine free cash flow. And uh, basically the idea of the education center is empower you to do your own research beyond just reading, say, you know, the glossy company announcements. I think it's important for individual investors to be able to look at the financial statements and sort of understand what they're seeing. And if you just put a little bit of time into it, I'm sure every single person listening to this is absolutely capable of doing that sort of basic analysis themselves. And that's really important because by looking at the numbers, the actual standardized audited numbers, you can get a view of the business that sort of filters out the any sort of management promotion or, or spin. Now, I'm not saying there's always spin or, or sometimes, you know, it's really important to listen to what managers are saying, but it's good to have that ability to look at financial results as well. And, you know, essentially that's what I do. I, I read announcements. I talk to management and I look at accounts and, and I write about what I think. And a rich life also involves an appreciation of the arts as well, which um, is another aspect to the website. Yeah, so that's, I don't write the arts piece pieces, but we have a fantastic team of writers covering basically arts and culture in sort of all the major cities in Australia. We have been covering a lot of the stuff that's been going on in a social distancing context lately. And so sort of guides to, hey, you know, how you get the most out of Japanese film festival or, you know, when there's a Aboriginal arts market online and that kind of thing. Definitely a great resource for people who are interested in, you know, the cultural life of the nation and what's going on in the arts. And then also we have a news section that I write some of. We also have a a PhD who, you know, takes a sort of academic approach to like big issues of the day. So it's more, uh, it's more take a step back and think about the news that is going on and try and get to the, to the, um, the truth of it. And so, you know, I'm really proud of of what we do there and and how well referenced all those news articles are. Claude Walker, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks a lot, Phil. 
Please remember these podcasts are produced to provide information and education and they're not designed to provide financial advice nor are they recommendations to buy shares in the companies featured. The Australian Shareholders Association does not endorse or favour any specific commercial product or company. Please obtain independent professional advice before investing. We value your feedback and questions. Please contact us at share at asa.asn.au if you have any suggestions for guests or specific questions you'd like answered. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 